Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Vilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Mary Carrillo, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. We're officially into week two of the US Open, and I've managed to get myself behind the Amazon Prime video desk where Catherine sits, so I know what it's like to be a TV presenter. It's fascinating. And you're, we're right next to the practice courts here. It's uh, about five in the afternoon on Monday. It is steaming hot, and the way Catherine handles it is by holding an air conditioning vent and uh, putting her feet in an ice bucket. So she's got it all worked out after a week of uh, tennis. All glamour back here, David. Yeah. yeah, it's good out here. In fact, very interestingly, this is the first time, I think, that I've seen the practice courts completely empty. Yeah. Certainly at this time of day, or, you know, during the, you know, the the, what is it five o'clock something like that yeah ten past five and yeah, it's definitely not been empty at this time before now there's still a packed crowd up here well because David in fact Annabelle and I were just speculating about whether to let this poor lot know because the night session players so Sharapova and Federer what happens is they schedule a practice on these practice courts here but then if the day session on Arthur Ashe finishes early and they are able to access Arthur Ashe court to practice on they will move their practice there, but it doesn't seem to have been changed in the schedule. And there's hundreds and hundreds of people yeah. <laughs> expecting Federer to walk out. Although, I have and he's to say, not going to. The, the, you say that, but there's a, there's a, there's sort of a lined walkway just outside these practice courts because that's the way I came in, and I was sort of thinking, am I not allowed to go? Up did here? you did you sign some autographs on your way in? Because that's what they. Do you know what, David? In uh, in 2004, I was in that line of people with my giant tennis ball. Yeah, so they're all there, and, and, and I think about it every time I walk through. <laughs> Last second, I. I sort of waited like one of them and then somebody said it's alright you can come through you've got a pass on so I did and then I realised that Tony Godsick was there Federer's agent so maybe he's going to come out here that'd Don't be interesting wouldn't he it I think he is because oh. he sh- was scheduled for I think 5 o'clock and he's oh. not come out yet alright don't ruin it. And for I don't them. think he's late, is he? I mean, he's got a watch sponsor, so yeah. I don't think he can afford to be late. Quite, quite a punctual fellow, usually. Yeah. Anyway, this is the tennis podcast <laughs> brought to you in association with the Telegraph and with Amazon Prime Video to UK, uh, behind whose uh, desk I, I stand at the moment. And uh, yeah, we've we've been on all day. We've had lots of matches. There are matches still going on. We'll bring you the results of the night session as well a little later. But yeah, we've just had. 
the end of the spectacular Naomi Osaka Arena Sabalenka match, which kind of met expectations in, in as much as it was just violent in its hitting and spectacular and brilliant fun, but it was wayward for one and then brilliant from the other and, and vice versa. And so it's one set all, then Osaka won it in, in the third. How much of an eye did you manage to keep on that one? I, f- I was trying to keep as much of an eye as possible because it was the match of the day um, for me and it lived up to expectation. As you say, the quality not always consistently high from both at the same time, but for drama and everything else, it, it had it all. Um, and unfortunately, Sabalenka... The bad news is it was Sabalenka double fault that gave the match away 6-4 in the third to Osaka. The good news, though, is that there was there was quite the aggro from Sabalenka afterwards. She was not happy. Um, no, she wasn't directing at anyone other than herself, but there was a big old racket throw and quite the tantrum. Um, and there was an Andy Murray-esque sob into the towel in the chair from Naomi Osaka. It was really emotional, her interview with I think it was Andrew Krasny on the court her bottom lip was wobbling the whole time and it really it was just lovely because she put that Instagram post up a couple of months ago maybe a bit less than that didn't she about how tough it's been for her since Indian Wells she's a she's an unfiltered sensitive soul isn't she really who she's very very cool but that doesn't mean she's icy you know what I mean Um, and this is so big for her she's through to a Grand Slam quarterfinals where she will face either Marketa Vondrusheva or Lisa Serenko for a place in the semis and let me tell you those two are currently at 7-6-4-5 uh, uh, Vondrusheva so Serenko serving for the second set and uh, they have been dead on their feet for the, well since about the second game of the match it's been uncomfortable to watch particularly Serenko particularly Serenko had the doctor out she had a blood pressure check she had a pulse monitor on those two are, but I think Von Drusheva will be pleased <laughs> it's going to decide just so she can have those 10 minutes off court yeah, because the heat, heat rule is in effect and how these two are still you know moving and hitting tennis balls and sort of conscious is beyond me because for a while it did look like they were playing in slow motion and look we saw Novak Djokovic today really I mean although he didn't he um, he was defensive about giving an explanation for it on the court whether he'll be more drawn in press conference I don't know because that hasn't happened yet but he didn't want to explain exactly what he was suffering from it looked like he was indicating towards his heart didn't it um when he had that treatment in the third set it often seems the heat seems to affect well the breathing of the players so we saw it the same with Serenko and Kvitova's had that before hasn't she yeah it was it was another one of those matches like the Fucevic match in the first round wasn't it for Djokovic because you know Sosa, I mean, it was so similar to what we expected last night in the pod. I mean, it ended 6-3, 6-4, 6-3, so we were close. But then you look at the head-to-head. How could you not predict that? He'd never got closer than a 6-4 set against Djokovic in 11 sets to this date. Um, And at the same time, even though Djokovic was handling him easily, really, in the first set suddenly that wave of heat just came over him and he looked hot and bothered red in the face suddenly he looked vacant hair. behind the eyes didn't he he'd gone yeah. you can just see he just goes and I'm really sympathetic with him because it happens to me too um, and the fact that it and you know he could have ended up in trouble had he dropped that third set he really could have done um, and even if he had then fought through it would have taken its toll for future matches and we know that the next future match is likely to be against Roger Federer so he couldn't afford that and he just knuckled down and and um, 
just elevate his, his level just enough. I mean, it's a nice matchup for him, isn't it? Because Zhao Souza is a lovely hitter of the tennis ball. It's a lovely clean ball. It's smooth. It's lovely. He's got no massive weakness, but he's got no weaponry or certainly not enough weaponry to live with these big guys. So he's sort of like a ball machine yeah. for, for Djokovic, and it's just a tough matchup for him. And but he ends up having to extend his range on his ground strokes in order to actually have an impact because unless Djokovic is off he's just never going to beat him and I mean look that's what's that 14 sets now and he still hasn't extended him further than 6-4 and that's basically how how their respective levels are Djokovic is a ball machine to some degree but he's also just got other gears and he's just exactly. he's just, he's just everything Joao Sosa is but better should we do pronunciation corner David it's been a while Go on. Because I say Sousa, Greg says Sousa, you seem to say Sousa, and um, I heard a, a rogue Sousa earlier from Mark Becci. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well, I did Sousa until James Kiotharong did Sousa, and then I thought I'll follow the umpire. But umpires do get it wrong. Not James. What's James Kiotharong. Well, I mean, as evidence this week at the US Open, umpires do get it wrong. <laughs> Yes, they do. Um, someone emailed me today via my website with a link to the Louis Armstrong Wikipedia page. Yes, I've which clarified that too. only that both both pronunciations are accurate. I've been emailed so, relentlessly over the last <laughs> couple of days about Louis stroke Louis Armstrong. Basically, we can say whatever we like. It's yeah. like flammable and inflammable. Oh no! Now you're really making my it head all, hurt. It's all fine. <laughs> Let's definitely call the whole thing off. Yes. Um, anyway, what, what, what did you make of um, Djokovic not wanting to be drawn on how he was feeling physically in that on-court interview with Dan Cahill? I think there's two things going on there. I think number one is respect for Sousa because in the moment, mm. you know, he didn't didn't play really badly, Sousa. He rarely does. I say usually he loses matches because he just doesn't have that extra gear. It's rarely because he's making a spate load of errors. So I think it's out of respect to not go out there and say, I've just beaten this guy handily. Uh, in three sets and now I'm going to talk about how much I was suffering physically um, you know that that can be a bad look and he is look he is somebody that's conscious of how things look and sound and you know fair enough that could have been misconstrued I think that could have been taken badly um, but then I think there's also maybe the fact that um, this weather weather is set to continue you know if yeah. he uh, okay the match against Federal will be night session I'm sure if it happens um, but with the humidity it doesn't get that much cooler at night first and foremost and second of all he'll almost certainly if he makes it through that have to play in the day again so it's kind of like I can't tell you how much I'm hating this because I, you know that's going to give ammunition to a another future opponent and we had the same from Nadal around his knee didn't we in that match a couple of rounds ago these sort of guys they'd, they'd rather just sort of yeah, it's it's quite interesting because it actually betrays how Djokovic sort of behaves on court in as much as he can't hide it. He shows you how he's feeling. But yeah, it was interesting that he didn't want to be drawn up. There is that quite... Daniela actually drew attention to that on air, the fact that he, he does that caginess in the interview, but it's like throughout the match he was... You know, he, he was laying it all bare for us, wasn't yeah. he? Um, so, yeah, there is that contrast. And he obviously was 
regardless of whether we have verbal confirmation of it, there was something happening, and he struggles in the humidity. Yes, big he time. Does. He does. <laughs> Some of us do. Some of us do. <laughs> Some of us sit with an air conditioning unit <laughs> that they're plugged into. I'm quite sure pictures will end up making their way to Instagram somehow. I David. dare say. I dare say. Um, Dominika Sibelkova's pep talk didn't do too much good, did didn't it, last it was night? It a rubbish pep talk. <laughs> She'd have done better off asking what we thought. <laughs> Imagine that. What would you have said to her? Um, do better? <laughs> I don't know. That'd be helpful. It's hard. I mean, look, she she had, she had a bad head-to-head against Madison Keys going in, and I, you know, I hold my hands up. I said I hadn't been that impressed. I'm impressed now. Um, yeah. I'm really, really impressed I with the maturity, aware. the point construction of Madison Keys, which isn't necessarily always something I've associated her with. I've thought of her as seaball, hitball. Um, but there's definitely more maturity about her. She played really well today. She really did play well, and Sybil Covey didn't have... I was saying Sibulkova last night, wasn't I? Oh, well. Pronunciation corner again. Yeah, well, that, that one's gone around the houses for <laughs> years. Yes, so. not it? But um, actually, I, I, to be honest, I, when we spoke last night, I hadn't checked the order of play to the degree... Uh, sorry, the, the, the head-to-head to the degree that it was. 4-0, 8-0 in sets. I didn't really realise that. And you could see that no, why that was weird, today. isn't it? You'd think she would have... Uh challenged her more at some stage you know Madison Keys does have off days Sybil Kova never seems to have off days she might lose she might get beaten but she doesn't really have off days um so yeah I, I was surprised to read that too in student yeah. Matt's notes this morning yes although after graduate the Matt, graduate Matt yeah, grad excellent Matt. Matt second game of that match 14 minutes long and on Dominika Sibelkova's serve and, and watching it at the time with Jill Krabass we were just talking about how how much this takes out of you as a server because even if you hold on to your serve you know that your opponent has kind of got you and it takes some coming back from even as somebody as fit and as energetic and as intense as, uh, as Sibelkova she lost that game ultimately I think on about her fifth break point uh, uh, keys had that break point she went up three love won the set 6-1 and although she made that second set close, and I think she did really well. To, and I, I, you know, this is the other thing to say. I actually think Silvercover played well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, maybe she, but did she play tactically well? Maybe not. Maybe yeah. not because she did. She did try to out hit Madison Keys, and you you need to be an absolutely brutal ball striker, and you need to be Serena Williams to pull that off. Really, don't you? Um, to, to out hit Keys she's if Keys many is things, on. Sybil Cover, Sybil Cover, but she's not Serena Williams. No, no. Uh, I can't remember who it was now. I think it was uh, maybe Jeff Tarango was calling her Keezy earlier. No, it was, it Jeff, was, it was Greg. Greg. Greg was calling yeah, her Keezy. I do, I've got no explanation for that, David. There you go. I like that little nickname that Greg's just brought in. I don't know whether it's a slip of the tongue or whether he, it's his own personal nickname for her. Maybe they're or? mates. Maybe their mates, I don't know. <laughs> so, anyway, we've got so we got Madison Keys up against Maria Sharapova or Carlos Suarez Navarro. I'll bring you the result of that later. I'll have a little chat about that. But uh, And then we've got Osaka. I mean, that is... OK, we, we, we're waiting for the results of this uh, Serenko-Vondrushevim match here. Set point, Serenko. And, in fact, she has just levelled, I think, once at all as we look. But what an opportunity for Osaka. Yeah, I mean, I look at that side of the draw. So, look... Uh, Suarez, Navarro, Sharapova, Keys, Osaka, and one of yeah. I mean, I'm look. It's I'm looking at Keys or Osaka there. 
I'm mm. looking at Kiza Osaka. Either both of those should be disappointed at this stage now to not come through that half of the draw. Really? Even if Maria Sharapova is the opponent? Well, look, I didn't see tons of her match against Dostopenko because we've have, we were having beers in the pub. We did have it on. We asked the, they were good the barman to, to put the tennis on, so we had an eye on it, but yeah. we weren't watching intently. And, and I, I can only assume that she raised her level. Um, I became two beers law during that pub trip, <laughs> so obviously I don't know what was I, going on. I think as soon as she's really tested, she will fall short, and yeah. unless she's got a gear that, that we're currently unaware of. Two um, people have just come onto the practice court next to us who are not Roger Federer, and there are some people up in the uh, galleries here that don't look too happy about it they're very definitely not Roger Federer no that's right so yeah that's what's happened today so far in in the matches that we've seen how has the heat been today compared to those first few days oppressive yeah it's been it's been this back to what it was I think Tuesday of last week felt the hottest I mean the the temperature bulb might not be reading quite as high as it was that day I don't know but the humidity is at least what it was mm. um, and I believe the trajectory is upwards from now on for awesome. the heat and humidity so Great. looking forward to that <laughs> excellent so tomorrow's order of play I believe is out and there's no great surprises I think everybody would have been expecting what we're seeing maybe well is Steven Sevastopol up first that is the day session women's match giving way to Serena Williams against Carolina Pushka on the night session women's match I think most would have expected that maybe a tough call between Del Potro versus Isner, which is in the day session, not before 1.30 local time, and the Dull team, which is the second night session match, I guess, in American. But yeah. they've been trying to take pressure off John Isner, haven't they? They've deliberately not scheduled him on the Arthur Ashe Stadium. Um, also, so this will be his first visit to it, so maybe playing it during the day takes the... Maybe he wanted that. It's maybe. quite possible he But also, that. Del Potro's played two successive night session True. matches. Nadal has played two and successive And they're all about day. being fair with how they dish out the night sessions oh, yeah. here, David. Oh, yeah. So what, what do you think... I mean, i tell you what. All of those matches... I feel really up in the air. I, you know, I, yep. I, yes, I, I mean, look. To, Not the first. To my, well, to my mind, Stevens is, is a heavy favourite against Sevastova. Um, Del Potro's favourite against Isner. Serena's favourite against Splitschkova. And Nadal's favourite against Team. However, if somebody told me that all four of those went the other way, I'm, I, I'm not saying I'd bet on that at all. But I wouldn't be like, no way. I'd be pretty surprised about Sloane Stevens. They had a cracking match here last year, didn't they? They did. Stevens is better, though, than she was last year. Yeah. Better. In... She's certainly more confident and there's conviction about her. Yeah, definitely. I certainly feel more confident about her. Del Potro and Isner, yeah. I mean, Isner beat him en route to winning the Miami title. I do think it's going to be significant that he's not played on Ash before now. Everybody's talking about how slow Armstrong is, how basically it's the perfect court for John Isner. Is right. what that's what Greg's been saying mm. in the studio all week that maybe they even prepared it with John Isner in mind do you know what I um, think significant most of all though is the fact that Del Potro not only is he playing incredibly well and the ball's just coming out of the racket out of the centre and you can't really attack his backhand anymore because he's hitting it rather than just slicing it the biggest thing is he's fresh He's not knackered. You know, I mean, he's... Only he, guy in that top half that hasn't dropped a set. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a massive deal, that. He now looks like the Del Potro of 2009, which is a, which is a frightening prospect for everybody else. Um, the other thing about Sloane Stevens, just, just quickly, I, I heard um, 
an interview last night while I was preparing for that, that commentary that I did for Prime um, on Sloane Stevens. I, I, I saw an interview that Paul Anacone did on Tennis Channel with Kamal Murray, his, his, her coach, um, who actually said that he felt that Sloane Stevens would not have won the US Open had she not had that 11 months out of the game. And, and that his reasoning was that what it did, her sitting down the whole time and being in that, uh, that uh, surgical boot the whole time because of her foot surgery, he said it taught, it taught her, or it basically forced her to ask questions of him. Rather than just going out on the court and hitting tennis balls, she would sit there and, and say, right, what can we work on? What can we do? And he said, it gave me an opportunity to actually teach her things that I would never have time to really get into on the court. You know, just almost philosophically about the game and mentally about the game. And I found that really interesting. You know, I mean, I think we, yeah, we, we, all, we all thought at the time that maybe it, it would do her good and just sort of slightly bring her back down to, to, to earth in her sport and make her value it more. And, and he certainly was aligned with that. But I just felt that, you know, he is such a... Uh, an interesting guy. I mean, he, he runs a he, he's built from scratch a 27 court um, facility in Chicago for 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 the for the community and for kids. And and I mean, if he was speaking to me, I would be inspired. I'm telling you, he's such a convincing uh, wow. talker. Yeah. Wow. Well, maybe an interview coming your way on prime video at some stage i tell you i he would be a feature on coaches he would be a magnificent person to talk to he's got so much to offer as as somebody to talk to and learn from that i mean slightly different thing obviously on a far more micro scale but i watched her go into the espn studio last night after her victory and she was asked whether the loss she had to elise mertens in cincinnati was actually a blessing in surprise and she immediately in disguise rather maybe it was a surprise as well um, but she said oh my gosh it absolutely was really? um, it means I've like I didn't realise um, how exhausted I was I and it's helped me feel fresh for this tournament um, she said you know I had enough tennis after after Montreal um, and she said yeah. it enabled me to go home to go to my best friend's wedding to just have a few days away from it all before the US Open and regroup and that's um, the biggest and you thing saw her face slams. light up when she was talking about that. So it, yeah. it's, yeah, she's, you know, look at her, look at her eight successive losses at the back end of last year. I don't think she's ever going to be a player that can go and do eight weeks on the road in the far, far east and just, you know, learn to love the grind of the tour. She might get better at it, but that's yes. never going to be her style. No, it's not. It's, she doesn't just live for the sport. She lo- I think she does love playing it. I mean, so, again, some of the reactions last night were really uplifting. To how, she how loves much, competing, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, she loves the moment. Which is something that all those top... Now, in this spate of Andy Murray's and Stanford Rinkers and Serena Williams's that have had time away from the game and come back... They all talk about missing competing, not about missing winning. It is mm. really, really notable how much they talk about yes. missing competition because that is different from your average human being. You and I don't, you know, we don't have that. Well, I don't know. I've never played Monopoly with you, David, but... I'm really good. <laughs> really competitive. Oh, God. Maybe I've got this wrong. There is a look in David's eye which is scaring me a little bit. I but love you know Monopoly. What I mean? that it's great. Of, that thing where something just comes over them in, yeah. in any competitive environment and it's like 
it's adrenaline coursing through their veins it's their <laughs> lifeblood yeah us mere mortals aren't like that no that's true uh and also the other thing that kamal murray said was that the 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 journey to that US Open title actually started when, when they began at the start of 2016 because she won three smaller titles, the first ones of her career. And he felt those building blocks over a week-long duration kind of just taught her how to win. And, and it's, he said she wouldn't have been able to go from zero to a two-week title, and, which is what Ostapenko did, of course, last year. But I, I kind of know what he means. You know, Can you teach me how to win? Well, you've already won. You beat me. Yeah, once. So, well, Been living off it for five years. I know. I'm still hoping Taking the rematch on is on the way this week with my racket that I've got. He has actually, he has actually brought his racket, the hopefully, look, to Monaco. The look to on New her York. face as if to say, <laughs> yeah, that's not happening, right? <laughs> Do you know what sort of hours I'm working here? Um, so, yeah, anyway, that's Sloane yeah. Stevens against Sevastova. That look, the look on my face is one that is watching Marketa von Drusheva and Lisa Serenko drag themselves around a tennis court <laughs> in this heat and humidity. I mean, it's... I mean, they've had the 10-minute break. They have. And it's still looking tough. Jeff Tarango has caused a bit of consternation out there because he said on our air coverage that he feels that there shouldn't be any medical timeouts. If you can't carry on, you should just leave the court and retire. I don't agree. Why? Because I think that's a... um, What's the word I'm looking for? That's a very... I don't know. The logical conclusion of that is a very unkind one. Um, I know it's very arbitrary where we draw the line you know the fact that treatment for cramping isn't allowed um, because it's seen as a a loss of fitness whereas I don't think that's the case because I think it's a bit like heat exhaustion um, and heat related illnesses I mean cramping itself can be a heat related illness but I think some people are just more prone to it than others look at Pat Rafter he wasn't he was one of the fittest out there and he just had a problem with cramping so we, I get his point that it would eliminate the issue of the arbitrary line, but I think that is a that puts that it just makes the world a sort of more unkind, brutal kind of a place. It also it? takes I mean, away from shot making and rewards just almost brutality. Yeah, it? and would probably foster a cult more of a tendency towards a culture of doping it would certainly encourage doping culture if it was well, one thing, purely a physical battle one thing Simon Cambers came back on it and said is that it could easily lead to people overtraining and, and pressure being put on players to, to train even harder if, if they've got to be that level quite just an interesting debate anyway look most people don't agree with jeff that's fine jeff has his opinion others can and i mean he's not the only one i know other players who feel and i think i think it's irritation at the number of visits from trainers onto the court and the sort of fuzziness of the line lack of consistency in the 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 rules themselves and the application thereof are not currently good enough you know the issue about how long you can have to change clothes and how long you can leave the court for for a bathroom break and the fact that you can't really standardise it because you don't know how far away the bathrooms are going to be and it's different for every court. And I know it's all very difficult, but it surely must be achievable to have more consistency than we have now. Yeah, um, I'd have thought so. It's, yeah, it's, it's not good enough what we have now. Serena Williams against Pliskova, what do you think? I mean, do, I think Serena is playing way better than she was two years ago when she lost to Pliskova. There's, there's yeah, a, I think Serena. I think if you told me before the tournament um, I, that they'd meet in the fourth round, therefore, you know, Pliskova would have... I would, sorry, quarters. Um, 
but I think now Serena. Yeah, me too. Uh, Nadal team. I think we're going to see the real Nadal. I, I think we're going to see him jump on team and uh, and just rush him. That's what I think we're going to see. He had another slightly stressful practice today. Did he? What do yeah. you mean? It just didn't look relaxed, didn't it? There was a lot of chat, particularly between him and Francis, Francisco Roy. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Not as stressful as a couple of days ago when it really did look hectic. Um, I... I think he's got a tiny little doubt at the back of his mind, which might let Dominic team in. I still think Nadal will win, but he might end up expending more. How many sets? Than he would want to. Maybe five. Wow. That's going to be fun, isn't it? Late night tennis tomorrow night. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Right, well, we'll look forward to that. Enjoy your 3 a.m. finish, David. I will. I'm on the late shift tonight, so I'll tell you what, I'm going to come back and tell you what happens in the late night matches here. And, uh, yeah, it's been a good one. Looking forward to it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Well, it is a few hours later now, and my goodness, what a few hours we have just had, because Roger Federer is out of the US Open. It is, what time is it? It's quarter past two in the morning. I'm sitting in the commentary box, looking down on the scene. The roof is on now, on the Arthur Ashe Stadium Court, which has just been washed. Uh, and uh, at the moment, John Millman is talking in a press conference, having beaten Roger Federer 3-6-7-5-7-6-7-6. Just an extraordinary few hours of tennis that we've had Simon Briggs from the Telegraph uh, joins me Simon I mean the story of the match from my perspective I, I, I was in the commentary box throughout 
Federer got off to a good start and then just completely lost his way. I mean, his serve disintegrated in that second set. He he got 30% of them in in that second set. And then in the third set, he served for it at 5-4. He had a set point and he was missing balls galore. I mean, I, c- I could barely hit, believe what I was seeing. He could not trust his game in any way. By the end of the match, he was serving a volley on second serves. He was hitting drop shots every other shot. And I mean, he looked a shadow of himself. He looked 37 years old tonight and he hit 77 unforced errors what was your take well Federer said that uh, the biggest thing for him had been the heat which is um, not something we've heard him say before I don't think and and certainly it's extraordinary that uh, a night match would have had that effect on him it was um, still bizarrely hot I mean I just walked back to the hotel uh, and it is kind of uncanny that you know you're you're still you are still dripping um, at two in the morning as you're as you're walking up the street um, because it's so close and so humid. Um, but you still would have thought that he's shown such amazing uh, endurance at this late stage of his career that he could handle it. Uh, but he just looked uh, like he was like a kind of wrung out dishcloth, didn't he? By the end and. His shoulders were drooping. He, he was wearing a, a sort of that, that that Federer frown you see when things aren't going well. And um, I think he said also that he was almost quite glad when it ended, and, and it felt uncomfortable, didn't it? Because to see to see the see the great man not being able to access those parts of his game that have been so reliable over the years. I mean, in, in the fourth set tiebreak, he served back to back double faults. Uh, and yeah. that's just kind of unheard of, isn't it, for for a man who's not only one of the greatest players in the history of the game, but one of the greatest competitors. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you've just, you've just touched on in, in your answer there two things that we've just I can't remember us ever really seeing or hearing about before. So maybe my mind, uh, my memory fails me a little bit because we always joke about how he doesn't sweat don't we? And he looked mm. so hot and bothered out there today. I mean, some people were speculating about his new clothing line as to whether that was causing problems. But as you say, he admitted afterwards how hot he found it out there, how much he was sweating, how uncomfortable he was he was finding it. And he said that everything just felt off. And and that's how it looked. Um, he, he also also suggested that, that since the roof has been built, even though the roof wasn't on, it has made it a lot more humid out there. So the the first thing was the the, the the way he was sweating. We're not used to that. And I mean, I know it was a little bit of a throwaway line at the end of that first answer. But the fact that he said, I was almost glad that it was over at the end. I mean, mm. I know he said that with a bit of a grin, but it felt, I mean, that's what it looked like. He was just slashing at the ball and, and just seemed to be really not enjoying the process one bit. I mean, there were so many concerned faces in his support team. The crowd, obviously, were, were beside themselves, being upset and anxious and all the rest of it. But that was a Roger Federer that d- didn't really want to be out there. And, it, and that's a very strange feeling to, to witness, isn't it? Yeah, well, the way he played was sort of skittish, wasn't it? Because he couldn't settle into a kind of baseline game he also he also he was impressed i think by the level of millman's consistency in the sense there were no cheap errors coming and also millman's fleet-footedness which which was outstanding tonight his movement was amazing so he felt that he wasn't getting any change and he didn't back himself really to 
be able to to hit those glorious ground strokes that would, that would have. I mean, I, I remember I, I, there was one scorching backhand up the line, wasn't there? I think it was in the third set tiebreak or just before it, and and that stood out because there were he didn't hit that shot almost at all. He didn't feel he could go for it. So in order to try and get around his malfunctioning ground strokes, he played drop shots. I don't know, twenty or thirty times, most of which came back for winners. Uh, he went to the net. 70, 81 times, 81 times, um, and didn't volley great either, did he? Uh, and, and there were times, I mean, even in the fourth set, he was a breakup and he gave it back with a, just the easiest of putaways, which he just, just, he had to leap up a little bit and just pat the, the overhead into the open court, but it hit the net. Um, so he did try and change things around. He was, he was experimenting all the time, looking for solutions, but, Somehow, he was like one of those um, maths tests when you, the numbers are sort of swirling around in front of your eyes and you can't make them all add up. Yeah, we're, we're very, I mean, I, I think I really do want to back up what you've just said about how well John Millman played, how well he handled the occasion. He was hitting some big stuff out there. He really did take it to Federer. But really, the story is Federer. And I think because of what happened about five years ago when he lost to Tommy Robredo at the same stage actually here at this tournament and we all kind of wrote his career obituary to some extent at that stage and and there were so many of us who felt like that and I think we're all absolutely we're wary of, of, of doing it again in any way but if you look back on his year now apart from the australian open which he won obviously that's that's great he lost to tanasi kakanakis uh in miami in the in the first round there okay not a big deal didn't play the clay looked really out of sorts at wimbledon against kevin anderson it was a similar sort of feeling he was sort of hanging on and trying to finesse his way to victory and he couldn't do it um and then we've got this defeat tonight. I mean, he's 37 years old, Simon. He looked 37 years old tonight. I mean, this could be it, couldn't it? He, 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 we might not see him get back to his best again at this age, do you think? Um, well, I don't think there's any reason to panic too much. I mean, um, he, he'll take a long break before the Australian Open, and he's won that for the last two years, hasn't he? Um, True. So uh, that's a pretty good record to have. I mean, he hasn't lost there since, uh, what, 2016. Um, and Wimbledon, he can uh, play a game style there. I mean, we saw him do it against Kyrgios, didn't we? He totally schooled Kyrgios in the third round, and he was exquisite at times. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is difficult to know what to expect from him because he's busted our expectations a hundred times. Um, he's rewritten the book. Um, he almost just give up trying to predict stuff and, and just try and, yes. and, 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 um, and you just try and sort of put things in context that have happened because he's doesn't follow the rules. I mean, I still remember, I still remember talking to you before 2017 Australian Open and just saying this is a, this is a really dangerous time for him. He could slip back down the rankings. He's got no form. He's got no pedigree. Nobody ever wins these tournaments without formal pedigree. Well, nobody does win these tor- tournaments without formal pedigree apart from him. Um, yes. he, 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 even Rafa, uh, even Novak, they have to come in with a few um, tournaments ahead of, of, a, of a slam where they're performing at a decent level before they actually win them, don't they? 
I mean, nobody's really done what he did there. No, no, I can't, think, I can't think of I can't think of a counterexample. No, so. and we, I mean, they've all gone through it recently as well, and none of them have managed to come back in the way that that he did after that injury and win the Australian. That was Open. insane. It was totally it was. insane. Yeah. Okay. All right. You've talked me into it, Simon. I'll, I'll, I'll backtrack. <laughs> um, just, just quickly. I mean, before he he played his match, Maria Sharapova lost, and I mean that that's now a footnote by comparison. Uh, she lost to a brilliant performance from Carlos Suarez Navarro, but it hasn't been a great comeback, has it, since the doping ban? I mean, she has not really performed. Yeah. Somebody said that. It, I think uh, Tumani. Um, on uh, on the t- Twitter, he said that this it's now been as long since she came back as as when she was actually off. So um, it feels like she's been back for a for a significant length of time, but has not been able to really substantially get back to to, to the kind of championship winning form that she had, and. You just wonder how much longer she'll want to go on. I think somebody asked her in the press conference if this was the toughest time in her career, and she replied by saying, "This isn't tough." Um, when you're a teenager and you've got only a few hundred dollars in your bank account and you don't know where your life's going, that's that's tough. When you can do whatever you want, you know, it's a completely different ball game. But I think, in a way, that sounded a little bit hollow. Um, with totally different situations. John John Wertheim from Sports Illustrated said, you know, mm. somebody who respects the game and, and has got as much pride as she has, how much longer is she going to want to keep doing this if it, if, if it's really not happening? Mm. It's an interesting but one, then, isn't it? But then, I mean, she might she might be looking at the Olympics. I mean, that was what um, her, her agent, I think, said. Didn't when he was Max Eisenberg was being defiant in the early stages of her comeback and said oh well she was going to think about you know calling it a day but now now this has happened she's even more determined and wants to go on to tokyo um so i wouldn't rule out that i mean she's she's a stubborn character yeah uh, well, that's true and uh she'll probably take the view that it could all turn around for her so again, I'm not, I'm not sure that she's going to be looking to pull the ripcord anytime soon. No, no. Well, the tournament's taken a bit of a blow tonight, though, in terms of its uh, <laughs> pulling power. Um, yeah. And uh, you're going to have to search around for a few more stories. But I take it uh, you you you'll, you'll have plenty to fill over the next uh, day or so with all of this stuff to reflect upon. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, we were going to be previewing um, Novak Federer as uh, the piece for Wednesday's paper but uh, I think it'll, it'll be more of a looking back now <laughs> uh, I mean the office will certainly say to me uh, is this the end for Federer which as I've said <laughs> is not the question that I like answering anymore well, it's, I've been wrong on it so many times he he makes it very hard to write that piece and uh, well long may that continue because let's hope we do see some wonderful moments from him again Simon thank you very much for joining us at 2.30am what, mm, what a champ you. you are um, and <laughs> this has been the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Amazon Prime Video UK which will be back on air from 3.30pm to look back on all of these stories uh, UK time uh, later today now of course it is we're uh, executive produced by Melanie Bowes, Triple S, Tennisballs.com, mascot is Charlie the Ferris, and we are sponsored by the Manga Club. Thanks for sticking with us, and we'll see you tomorrow.
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.